1: Welcome to season four, episode six. The B word. Hmm. Wonder what that could be. Yeah. But what do we do first? Ooh. Well,
0: before we get into any episode, we crack the claws, y'all. Let me. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Cracking good. <laughs> Raina's got her claw.
1: I'm drinking a stupid protein smoothie. So, what did we talk about this week? What's the B word?
0: Well, the B word is actually a spinoff of the L word, mm-hmm. that show. So we talked about being bisexual yes. and we had multiple guests on our show this week, which is exciting and new for us.
1: Yes, it was so fun. We had Kelsey, Emily, and Max from Cat Call Magazine join us. Um, all three of them are bisexual. All three of them had really different things to say, really different experiences. And it was just mm-hmm. so fun to have such a deep conversation about it um yeah I feel like it went in like all kinds of directions that I wasn't even fully expecting
0: yeah me too and it, it was great I learned a lot and um again they were just very generous with um with their time and their stories and other people shared their stories as well. You'll have to wait and listen. <laughs> yeah, that's true, right? I mean,
1: I guess not to give too much away, but this is the first time that I ever fully have talked publicly about being bisexual myself and realized as we were talking with the crew from Call that I've never even like actually formally come out so to speak so i guess this mm-hmm. is it um yeah but yeah it was just really neat um and you guys will just have to stay tuned and listen
0: yes yeah, so here we are here is the b word
1: the b
2: word Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E, M-E-T-I-C-S, dot slash thrive for 20% off your first order. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working,
0: Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome. Hello. Hi.
1: Hi. (laughs) Fun to be here with you tonight. This is our first multiple guests at one
3: time
0: episode. Yes. We're so excited. We're excited. It's going to be a good one.
3: (laughs) We are honored to be the first. More than happy (laughs) to be.
0: Well, and it's amazing to
1: have so many people here to talk about tonight's topic because it is one that, um, Impacts a lot of people, and that a lot of that everyone sort of has their own unique experience with. So, I'm really excited to get multiple perspectives in the conversation. Um, So, we're going to have everyone introduce themselves in a second, but just to kind of get us to just kind of get us going here um, tonight, we are talking about bisexuality and really shaping the conversation around myths associated with bisexuality by erasure where do bisexuals fit in the community i think um, i'm bisexual my experience has been often and very uh, straight presenting and i'm in a straight present I'm in a, straight, really, I'm in a relationship with a straight man so there's often questions of like okay like i know this is me but also where do i fit in the community can i even really claim this identity like lots of questions around that and we had actually a listener Um, reach out to us way back in season one and ask us to take this topic on um, because this person was feeling that same type of way. Right. Right. Um, So we're really honored to have three amazing bisexual people here to talk to us about their experiences tonight. And why don't we go ahead and just have you all do introductions. Um, Maybe we could start with, Kelsey, who's here um, with everyone here tonight is with an organization called Catcall. Kelsey, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about Catcall and a little bit about why you said yes when we reached out to you for this interview.
3: Yeah, of course. So hi, I'm Kelsey. I'm the um, founder and editor-in-chief of Catcall. We're an intersectional feminist, um, women's and queer and inclusive and um, ally-focused digital publication. So uh, we focus on stories in the Midwest and uplifting um, intersectional feminism in a way that we felt like was kind of missing from the the broader spread of of intersectional feminism media. Um, we're all located in Kansas City currently for the most part, so we tend to focus a lot um, in that area. But um, we've got a really talented team who just happens to all be queer, and a lot of us are bisexual, which is really exciting. <laughs> um, it's fun to have that kind of representation at your um, your your passion project. So yeah, maybe I'll kick it off off to Emily next. Emily. If you don't Thank mind.
4: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm Emily, and I am the managing editor over at Cat Call. I joined on with Kelsey about oh, was it two, three years ago now, when we both worked at a at a different Kansas City magazine. And yeah, it's just been a wonderful community to talk about the things that are really impacting women and the lgbt community and it's
0: yeah, amazing thanks for being <laughs> yes, here emily. thank you emily and last and? but not least we have max.
5: <laughs> yeah so uh hi everyone so i'm max sheffield uh i you say, and he pronouns. So I'm non-binary and gender fluid, which I know we'll talk more about that later. Mm -hmm. So I actually first uh, just saw in a uh, feminist like leadership group that they needed some help with social media. So I started with cat call doing social media and now I just, I'm a contributing writer with cat call and I do freelance like marketing and writing, you know, as well. So.
0: Nice. Well, welcome everybody. Thank you for coming on. This is the best crew. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, yes, here we go. So
1: like we were saying, kind of at the start, you know, we wanted to create space for this conversation tonight to talk about, uh, to talk about bisexuality. And, um, it's a convert. This is a conversation I've been actually really looking forward Mm -hmm. to having, because I don't, have a lot of, I have a lot of queer people in my life, not a lot of other bisexual people in my life. And so I've been like, oh, I can't wait to finally get to talk to others. And I think part of the reason for that is that I didn't figure this out until, um, like didn't figure it out for real and actually start dating women until my like mid thirties. And so I always find myself so curious. I think we're really curious mm-hmm. to hear your individual journeys with figuring out like how did you come to your into your sexuality? Was it late in life like me, where you have to sit around like feeling nervous about the fact that you like don't even know what to do with another yeah. woman's body? Um <laughs> or have you just kind of always known somewhere in between? We would love to just have you share um share what your journey has been in this way.
3: Yeah, I can I can kind of go first. Um I think to your point, I think it's really it's often very common that bisexual folks come out later, just because I think it's a lot easier for us to pass as straight. Um, And we, I know, I personally repressed a lot of my like sexuality for a very long time, just because I was like, well, I I like men, so I don't need to think about this other part of me that doesn't just like men that likes a lot of a lot of other things that are out there. Um, So it it took a little bit for me to come out and to. And to recognize that I was bi. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's like a there's so many things we can talk about in this. I don't want to dive off onto too many tangents in terms of like internalized biphobia or biphobia within the community, but I think I think just one really big stat that always stands out to me as a bisexual person is we actually make up the largest percentage of the queer community. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I think I, I did a little quick Google so I didn't mess this up, but <laughs> I know there was a 2013 poll that found that. Uh 40% of people who identify as LGBTQ um, are bisexual. Like we are the largest section of that queer umbrella. And yet we have a lot of there's a lot of stigma around mm-hmm. us within the community. Um so I, I know personally, I think I think those kind of social expectations played onto my my own coming out. I didn't come out until um after college, but I kind of knew for a while before then I just didn't I chose not to think about it, was kind of the way that it went. Um, and then I I came out very loud um once I was in a straight presenting relationship, um, which that's a whole other thing we can talk about too. Mm-hmm. But but that's kind of that's kind of my own coming out story. I I I kind of slid out slowly mm-hmm. <laughs> from the closet. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. That's a funny
1: image. Yeah. And I yeah. Yeah, I totally I totally get what you mean. Um, because even once I like once I sort of had my the recognition that like this was something important about me it's not like i like started announcing it i just started talking about the women that I was dating and like sort of slipping that into conversation and yeah. letting people just make of it what they wanted to. Um, so I really identify with like the slow
3: slide. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a nice little slip and slide out of the closet. And you get, yeah. It gets faster towards the end, but it's like, you're, you're just like slowly slipping throughout the beginning.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that analogy. Cause then I could see that once you get into the water, and the, you're like, "I'm okay, I'm here." The huge <laughs> I'm, splash, I'm out. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, <laughs> Max. You were just nodding vigorously
1: <laughs> to that. Was it similar for you, or or different?
5: So I feel like it was kind of different mm-hmm. um, for me. I I think I realized as a teenager that I was bi, mm-hmm. but I still kind of dated people who were assigned male. However, I, uh, looking back, it was like, yeah, you were definitely queer because they were very, a lot of times they were effeminate or they would, they were, you know, dressing in women's clothes, gender non-conforming themselves. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of like, I'm dating them. And I also kind of want to be them because again, I'm non-binary and gender mm-hmm. fluid. So I feel like I like, again, I was in straight presenting relationships, the majority of my, my twenties as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I feel like, and I almost came, like when you talked about sliding, I kind of slid back into the closet. My first relationship with a woman, when I identified as a woman, uh, I said to one of our mutual friends, "Well, I'm I'm straight, but even straight people can have exceptions." And mm-hmm, so it was mm-hmm. almost like I'm like I'm dating a woman, but and it's like it's like. God damn it, Max. Like, why (laughs) why were you like, in fact, I think for me, and we can talk more about like how like gender and sexuality and, you know, the internalized biphobia that like Kelsey Mm -hmm. was referring to Mm -hmm. when I came out as non-binary in 2019, it was honestly like a relief. It's like, oh, there is like, not only is there not a binary, like with my gender, you know, I'm gender fluid, but like now I don't have Straight and and gay have no meaning to somebody who is mm-hmm. not in a binary gender, anyways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's almost mm-hmm. like it was easier for me to come out as non-binary in some ways, you know, and just kind of own that and just be like, I like who I like, and that's about it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have to, I don't have to put a label on it. Like for the longest time, I wouldn't even say bi; I would just say queer because mm-hmm. it encapsulated my gender, it encapsulated kind of being, you know, somewhat like demisexual. It kind of, you know, encapsulated, like, um, you know, of course liking more than one gender and just not having to explain it <laughs> cuz i'm like mm-hmm. that's just it you know i'm just just doing me you know
0: yeah yeah um which i want to i have a follow up question to that but i before i i, I want to hear emily's story though too since we're all telling yeah, yeah. <laughs> stories <laughs> but I, I have a follow up question to that all right emily yes
4: yeah. <laughs> so I had a very similar story to Kelsey. I also kind of slowly slithered out of the closet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was, it's actually kind of a crazy story. How I finally came to the realization is two years ago, I thought I had COVID and it turned out that I didn't have COVID. I had a giant pulmonary embolism. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy and yeah, came very close to not making it through that. And literally, when I was in the hospital, I had a dream where I can't remember who I was talking to. It honestly might have been Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> and I was talking to her and I was like, I'm going to die. And I've never acknowledged that I like women too. <laughs> and whoa. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And so then I woke up and I was like, well that was weird and then i really started thinking about it and you know it was just something that i had always grappled with i grew up in a very evangelical home where lgbt community was not an okay community to be a part of and so throughout really my entire life whenever i'd thought oh that girl's cute I'm like oh well everyone thinks that like everyone Mm -hmm. has thoughts like that and Mm -hmm. that I after I had that dream I actually did talk to Kelsey in real life and I was like am I bi and Kelsey was like well she's like straight people don't question it (laughs) (laughs) to be fair that
2: was
3: (laughs) the same advice I had gotten when I came out to a friend my friend was like you know straight people don't ask those questions I'm like damn it. It's like, you don't have to choose the answer, but straight people don't ask those questions.
4: Yeah, They might, but most
3: of the time they don't.
4: Yeah. So, and ever since then, it's just become more and more clear to me as I've gone through in this journey. I mean, one of my earliest memories is being like four years old, sitting at the table in preschool, talking to my friends about how it would be so much better if we could just marry girls. (laughs) And mm-hmm. kind of boys, <laughs> and so like stuff like that is there, and so yeah blatantly obvious when I think about it. But yeah, I'd always dated guys, and I'm engaged to a man right now who actually mm-hmm. also happens to be bi. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it's something that I, I've never been in a relationship with a woman. I, if my marriage works out, which I plan for it too, I probably never will be, <laughs> but. I mean, it's still a part of who I am. Mm-hmm.
1: That's so powerful. And to have it come to you in a dream like that is like your subconscious couldn't have been screaming it any louder, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. There's, okay. There's so many things to I ask know. about. So many I'm like, wait, oh, oh, um,
0: <laughs> but now that we
1: kind of have everyone's origin story and, and sort of a mix of like, I always knew this always made sense to me to, oh my God, I I like girls and I better admit that before I die and like everything in between. We've got like such a great mix of experiences here. Yes. But what, when Max was talking, what was sparking for you, Raina?
0: Oh yeah. So what stood out for me is, um, you know, coming out non-binary, you know, just c- claiming that. So I guess this kind of leads to the question of pansexuality at that moment? Like, does, is that, does that apply or? So I think that's a really good question because
5: bi and pan is, it's so similar. Mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. feel that everybody has a very individual definition. Like if you identify as pan or bi, like, you know, you're, you you can not be wrong about, you know, your own identification. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I, for a while, I did identify as pan, mm-hmm. but for me, my personal definition—and I don't want to claim this for anybody else—but mm-hmm. when I think of pan, I think of people who gender does not come into play when they're evaluating whether they're attracted to somebody. Oh,
0: uh, okay. And,
5: okay. And so, and for me, by for being bisexual means that you may have a preference, or you may have like a like you may lean one way or the other, mm-hmm. you know, and. What's what's somewhat interesting is because I'm gender fluid and my gender shifts, my preference to like for um, other people also Mm -hmm. shifts. Mm
0: -hmm. So
5: to say like, who do you like, do you have a preference? And it's like, yeah, but it changes. So so it's like, but I'm like, I'm kind of, I think that in some ways, and this is maybe hard and this is maybe why there is not as much Visibility with bisexuality and pansexuality as there could be is that we need to kind of like sit with ambiguity. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times with bisexuality, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, and bisexuality, it's been historically accepting of non binary people and of gender non conforming people and trans people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like there, you know, I claimed some biphobic beliefs before, like, oh, I'm pan because you know, I'm okay with non-binary people and bisexual people are not, do not non-binary. people. And it was like, and that's, that's not true to be very clear, but Uh I like held uh that belief because in my mind, again, there had to be a very clear delineation between pan and bi. Uh uh And, you know, and the world is gray, you know, like that's Hmm. not, you know, that's not true of pan people. That's not true of bi people, but bi people are, can be non-binary hello you know they can mm-hmm. be attracted to trans and non-binary people like so I think that's kind of sometimes the issue is like too conflicting or you know things can both be true and that's mm-hmm. okay and that's hard I think for the community at
0: large to grapple mm-hmm. with yeah thank you for that thank you for that whole explanation because it's so true like there are multiple ways to look at things there are multiple truths that do exist and it doesn't have to be so like rigid, you know, Mm -hmm. with everything. Um, So I appreciate you answering
3: that question for me. Kelsey, did
0: you want to have something to add to that?
3: I just wanted to mention that bisexuality isn't binary. Um, I think there's a big misconception that it is, um, which is totally fair for some people. Maybe that's Mm -hmm. what they identify with, with the, that, with that label. I know bisexual, I, I really liked how Max talked about the difference between how they view pansexuality and like the difference between being pan and being bi. Mm -hmm. Um, I know bisexuality for me is attraction to people like me and not like me. That's how I always view the kind of duality of it. Mm -hmm. Um, That's one interpretation. But as, as Max said, like bisexuality has always historically been very inclusive of non binary trans um, and gender fluid folks. So um, I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions I, I want to work on. Like fight back is like, Mm -hmm. no, I swear we're inclusive. (laughs) Mm -hmm we are very much inclusive. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting like, as
1: bisexual people or pansexual people, like you are, we, we just exist in this like gray air, gray space yeah. where you have to make your own meaning of it. And it's very confusing to um, like deconstruct what, Compulsory hetero, heterosexuality tells us we're supposed to yeah. have. Like, I think for me, that's why it took me so long. Like, much like Emily, I was like, I always dated boys, but then men when I became a grown up, had crushes on girls that I thought were just really intense friendships.
0: Um, <laughs> uh-huh.
3: <laughs> because it didn't
1: make, it didn't cross my mind or make sense to me that those were like crushes, like intense friendships because there were romantic feelings involved. There was so much to unpack just within myself as one person, let alone like trying to make meaning of, of, of a way of identifying for an entire community. It's like, there's so many layers. It's really, it feels really complicated sometimes.
3: Well, and that grayness is also, I think just a representation of what queerness is as a whole. Like our Mm -hmm. sexuality is fluid. You, you can identify with what makes sense for you. There is no wrong answer about what, what label you like or what lack of a label you like, or or, and you can change your mind and because we grow as people and we learn new things about ourselves. So I think, I think, I think there is a joy in that grayness. It's It's the, the opportunities are limitless and the way we represent ourselves are too. Yeah.
1: Can we talk? I'd love to get, I'd love to talk a little bit about like stigma and misconceptions and, um, There's kind of like the stigma and misconceptions about bisexual people within the queer community and then in the like broader, more mainstream community. So maybe we chunk it out that way. Mm -hmm. Um, but the way that, like, it I guess that it's most reductive, I feel like often bisexual people are just seen as confused. So, femmes and women are seen as confused straight girls or like, just, I'm just a little curious. I just want to kiss my friend. Woo. And then like, you're, but you're straight you're going to wind up with a dude and bisexual um, men and masculine presenting people are seen as confused gay men. And it's just sort of this really reductive way that people get put in boxes. And that's not true, of course, but I'm just curious, like, how have you encountered that kind of, I mean, I'm even thinking about like the first season of the first L word. I might yes. be a little bit older than every, I, I'm like almost 39, loved the L word. Also, how was that not like an obvious clue <laughs> that I wasn't straight? Um, but the the first season of that show, Alice, the bisexual character is like constantly getting ragged on by all of her lesbian friends for being confused. Um, and I feel like that is a pretty good representation of like how bi people are seen in at least pop culture and to some extent in real life too and I'm just curious how you've experienced that or what you've observed with your like friends and other and partners who are also bisexual yeah yeah Max go ahead
5: so I think a big piece of in my 20s why I was somewhat in a denial was because when I was more open about being I I was very frequently propositioned for threesomes by straight couples. Mm-hmm. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's something that like the broader, like, oh, because let's, you know, we're going, most femmes and women are, you know, they're objectified and sexualized. You know, we're like, I uh, describe it as being like, we're like a dispenser for other people's fantasies and orgasms, you know? And I, I'll, I never took anyone up on that. And it just made me feel very devalued as a human like yeah. my sexuality is not something that you know is for show or mm-hmm. you know so I feel like that came up for me in my early 20s and I feel like that almost like made me like retreat back like we want to talk about like slithering out I'm like well no I'm not. <laughs> so I think it was one of those things that for me and you know and that still goes on, you know, like I'm polyamorous. And I think there's a, there's an idea that every bi person is polyamorous because we can't be monogamous because what if we cheat or what if we want to be with somebody else? You know, like there's so many, there's so many layers to that, Mm -hmm. but I feel like it just really gave me just like the ickies, (laughs) you know? And I was just like, okay, maybe I don't want to, like own this label with mm. what, what com- with what comes with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that being non-binary, like I said, I'm never going to pass as non-binary. We live in a binary world. There's no such thing as it. So now I'm just kind of like, well, fuck passing fuck mm-hmm. labels, fuck all of it. Sorry. I'm, I'm really cussing. I don't know if that's okay. It's a, very, no, no, it's a very, um, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. it's all
1: right. <laughs> just other sure. word is usually fuck. So you're good. Okay. Good. Yeah. But
5: like, I feel like I didn't own it because there was a lot of baggage there. And now I'm just kind of like, it is what it is. I'm, I'm, I am who I am. I can't control cis people. I can't control how straight people view me. I can't control any of that. I can only control me. So that's kind of where no. I owned that.
1: Yeah, and Kelsey, your face had a big reaction. I want to see what you were thinking there. But Max, <laughs> you're so right about this point. Like, it's fascinating to mm-hmm. me that like this is an identity that frequently gets reduced just to fucking. Yeah, like it's yeah. just all about the physical act of sex when like that's not obviously the case. But yeah, Kelsey, you your face looked like you wanted to explode there when Max yeah, was talking.
3: Yeah, I know. Max Max nailed it on the head. I think it's just one of the biggest uh, like. Frustrations I have with, you know, these kind of, I'm like losing my words. So basically, a lot of BI folks get hypersexualized. Like mm-hmm. we're expected that we're just very sexual beings, and like I am a very sexual person, but that's not because of my sexual identity. And I've been put in positions before where I have been misjudged because of my identity. So whether I was dating, I was you know dating men who are like, well, what's it like to have sex with a woman? And I'm like. I don't know bro you tell me like i'm not here Mm -hmm. to entertain you or or anything like that um i also have a really good friend who's pansexual and her ex-boyfriend um freaked out about our friendship was like i don't trust you i feel like you're gonna have sex i feel like she's like she's just gonna have sex with you and you're gonna cheat on me and i'm like just because we're both queer doesn't mean i want to fuck your girlfriend like there's just this intense expectation of of how we're supposed to perform because we like everyone. So don't we want to fuck everyone? And I I think that's one of the biggest frustrations for me because mm. I, I feel very sexually liberated and it's frustrating when that's weaponized against me because it's my own choices and it's my body and you don't get to tell me or, or make expectations for what I should do with it. So yeah. I, I got heated. I got real heated. Max was yeah. crushing it over there. <laughs> I could see why. I could see why. I mean, there is like this weird
0: expectation that it's like, there's an attraction, which is obviously more like sex is like an act, you know, but there's so much more involved in being attracted to somebody and wanting to be with them, share space with them. So it's like, yeah, so I could see why it could be upsetting. And I could see why you would draw back and like, I don't want to claim it because I don't want to hear the shit, you know, from everybody. Um, But I love your take on it, Max. And it's just like, fuck it. You know, I can't, control everybody else but I got to live my life. I got to do what's right for me. And this is, this is it, you know, and I'm glad that you got there. (laughs)
3: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, Emily, I think you mentioned that your fiance is, um, also bisexual. Yes. And Max, you had also mentioned before we started recording that when you date men, you pretty much exclusively choose to date by men. So I know that like nobody here can speak for bisexual men. We don't have one necessarily on the podcast, but I'm wondering if I I do feel like there's there's certainly stigma for women and femme presenting people who are bisexual, and I I suspect that that stigma is like tenfold for bi men. And I'm just curious if you can share what you've observed in friends or loved ones as like they navigate the the world is bisexual men. Like, what is the bullshit that, what's the, what's the narrative that they have to deal with? If for, if for women it's like this over-sexualization, will you be my unicorn and my threesome kind of bullshit? Like, what is the, what's the flip side of that for men?
4: You know, I think what I've kind of witnessed Caden grapple with the most is feeling like he can't be as open about it. Like it's not Mm -hmm. something he talks about that much where like, I'm much more willing to talk about my sexuality, whereas he doesn't Mm -hmm. as much. And I mean, he went through a lot of trauma as a kid where his first sexual experience was with another guy and his parents found out and put him in counseling with a Christian counselor. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there was a lot of trauma there, which that kind of more gets into kind of the church aspect of that versus the gender role mm-hmm. but yeah I mean that's really what I've seen the most from him is it's not an identity that he really wants to take on and scream oh I'm bisexual whereas mm-hmm. it is like i'll wear a, a bisexual pen and put it on my facebook whereas yeah he he won't like if someone asks him asks him straight up he'll say yeah like I'm bi but it's not something that he just Comes out with,
1: yeah. Max, what are you thinking?
5: So, listening to Emily, I I really do feel similarly. One of the last um five men that I like dated is last I heard. Of course, I haven't talked to them in several years, but like they like he went back in the closet. He started mm-hmm. dating a woman, and I don't think he's like, oh no, I I, I it wasn't being like serious or I was like, maybe I'm heteroflexible, you know, like mm-hmm. like putting like a, like they have to kind of distance themselves from it, which is just so, so sad. Like I feel mm-hmm. very sad for a lot of the people that I've dated because um, they don't, they, they feel like they'll never be able to be out of the closet. And honestly for good reason. Right. You know, I mean, if you are facing things like conversion therapy or, mm-hmm. you know, like this ostracization, like I remember, I got into like an actual fight with my mother and my grandmother because I think offhandedly they're like, "I would never date a bi," and I'm hmm. like, "I've been in relationships with several bi men, and I don't know why that what they did before they were with you is any of your fucking business." Like I got like all up in there. I'm like, "Why is it?" You know, like I just got really, really heated on behalf of like all the all the the people that I've been with mm-hmm. that. Like, I've even heard from them, from they're like, oh man, like, I wish that I could be open. And it's mm. like, and I see it, it's like a parallel with, you know, not to keep going back to this, but I'm currently like dating somebody who's non binary, but was assigned male. Uh-huh. And the assigned male and assigned female experience of being non binary is in some way similar, right? Because I'm going to be like, I'm non binary, I'm gender fluid. And a lot of assigned male non-binary people like again not to make it a binary but like they have a different experience Mm because they do not feel comfortable being able to be you know themselves they don't like that person doesn't enforce their pronouns like like so it's like you know like doesn't correct anybody so far and that's fine you know like they have to live their own experience I'm not going to dictate it to them but Mm -hmm. like I see a lot of um just feeling like I wish I could be visible I wish I could but I Mm -hmm. can't And because the consequences do feel very different. So I will, I will definitely affirm what, what Emily is saying.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, it does make me so sad to think about, and I'm thinking back to like, I think I've even had conversations with, with like, I'm sort of, it's like a recovered memory I'm having right now of like a happy hour with a friend years ago who had matched with some guy, um, on a dating app and he was cute, but he um he was bisexual and she was like, I don't know. Am I is it bad? Like, am I is it bad that I I don't know how I feel about that? And like it's not bad to not know how you feel about it. And like we there's so we all have like so much problematic thinking that we've internalized, but it it is sad to think that there's so many people that have to hang out in the closet. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I mean to be honest, I'm even thinking right now about my last boyfriend—not my current partner, but the person I was with seriously before him, who um, was male. He was not straight. Um, He was realizing that while we were together, it was two, (laughs) it was two not straight people in the closet together. (laughs) Um, We broke up, and then both kind of went for it in different directions. But I remember the first time he told me what he was noticing in himself and how he was thinking about it. And I am sorry to say, I did not have the best reaction to it. I was, uh, I had actually like a pretty uncool reaction to it um, because it took me off guard. It surprised me. I could make excuses for it, but um, I feel, I feel bad about that now.
3: Aww. I mean, there's I, I mean, a lot of, but there's it's so just much what it was. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. so much internalized stuff that we have to work through. And yeah. I mean, so much of, of, intersectionality and so much of queerness is like recognizing that you don't have all the answers and mm-hmm. you just need to ask questions and give yourself mm-hmm. like, I want to say grace, but that feels way too evangelical, but like give yourself <laughs> some, some, some comfort and knowing that like, there's a lot of shit we got to work through to figure out the right way to handle things because we're not taught um, how to be accepting of others. And, and we, I mean, I had so much internalized homophobia when I was growing up, I was also you know raised in the church. So you have to work through it in yourself and you have to work through it outside of others and sometimes we react worse because we're looking in a mirror and we're not ready to face it i think that's a huge thing to consider too so mm-hmm. so i megan i hear you but girl like we've all it it happens and you've learned and there's and it's it's okay to to be to it's okay to learn and figure it out
0: yeah to like ask yourself what why after the fact you know and forgive yourself for you know because it is a lot of conditioning that happens throughout our whole entire lives. And that's why it's so important for us to have talk about this. And yeah. like, because it's like, everybody wants to dance around the topic or not really, nobody knows how to respond or they don't want to say the wrong thing. Or, you know, I don't want to offend anybody, you know, with asking questions or what if I say the wrong things or what yeah. if I, you know, I, there's just a lot, um, well, no, like, as I yeah. yeah. Well, as I'm remembering it now. So in the
1: raina knows all of this. And actually the episode that'll come out right before this is all about infidelity. So the this is a person where like um uh infidelity was an issue in the relationship. So I was already like insecure and like sort of always on my heels. And then when he sort of like floated this, I'm pretty sure my reaction was verbatim so I have to worry about everyone now, <laughs> which just <is>, like <laughs> was coming from a place of like insecurity that I came by yeah. naturally and problems in the relationship but it's also like a really like biphobic thing to mm-hmm. say like I sort of have to own both, both sides of it um, and he's dead so I can't apologize but in hindsight I just yeah I would handle that totally differently now and I think if someone if my partner that I'm with now had that kind of reaction when I came out to him I would have been so hurt and so it's just really interesting to like sort of reflect
0: on that it is but it's also like you've learned from it and it definitely changed Mm -hmm. your perspective or how you would you know respond if it happened again or whatever to anybody else you know what I mean so it's just um yeah 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 internalized
3: bullshit
1: man yeah, it's yeah in thank you there. for sharing yeah, yeah. Well, sorry if vulnerable. to listen to my like processing no. this as I'm like I truly it came to me as a recovered memory I was like oh shit like Joseph and I had that conversation like seven years ago I can't believe I'm just remembering it
3: yeah, yeah. I am thank you for creating the space to think about that sort of stuff because there's there's a yeah. lot we repress and I'm I'm honored to be here while you're thinking through it so yeah it's um it's not easy you know?
0: I, I would not know how to, you just don't know how you're going to respond, but this is why I like talking about all of this because it just helps, you know, to yeah. kind of learn about a lot of things. So Max, I can't tell if you're
1: like formulating a thought. <laughs> I,
5: well, I think that I kind of have something related to what Emily had said before. And yeah. I, I think, I feel like it's related that maybe it's not, maybe it's just all in my head, but, um, so Emily was talking about when she like when she was four, about how she's like, girls should just marry girls. Well, mm-hmm. I remember being a, you know, a teenager and arguing with my parents about like I should be allowed to date. And um, when I was 14, they're like, You can't date boys. And I'm like, Well, you hmm. didn't say I couldn't date girls. That's hmm. the, was my response. And they were like, Oh, well, and then they allowed me to date boys only. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, "Oh, I didn't realize that was an option." Like, and so it was like, like you're like, I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh, is that the terms? Well, here's my counter terms, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and and it was, it, I feel like it's interesting because it, there is that conditioning there, right? That like I could just choose to date, you know, mm-hmm. I can just choose. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and when you're constrained as a teenager, you know, I'm not, you, know, you really don't have the full autonomy of your life. Right. So I think I was a piece of it, but it was like, I do think there was some interconditioning there. of like me for one, I think I was just being a smart ass. Right. Because that's just who I was um, and still am. <laughs> Let's not pretend I'm still am a smart <laughs> ass. Um, but yeah, it was like, yeah, I could just choose who I date. You know, mm-hmm. and like that—that that means that that's—I'm straight if I choose to date boys, mm-hmm. and I'm a lesbian if it—you know what I mean—or I'm like I'm gay if I choose to date girl, which is obviously not true. But like, yeah, it's like this conditioning, right? That it's a lifestyle choice. You know?
0: Yeah. Oh my god. So I Especially- think I think that's internalized, you know, as a teenager, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all the messaging that we have all received (laughs) since forever and ever (laughs) has not been good. (laughs) So this is all like literally just deconstructing and unlearning so much stuff that and phobias and like, it's hard to to, like switch that in your brain or that's like, so I think just allowing everyone that their space to like, go through it. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to use the word grace because I think yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or com-
3: compassion, compassion, like compassion. that's compassion. a little better. Yeah.
0: Just yeah.
5: Cause we all need that, you know? Like, yes,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, have patience with one another and compassion be, you know, uh, people are unlearning all this shit that society has told everyone for fucking ever, <laughs> you know, and the, and the ones that really needed to talk about it, didn't feel safe to talk about it
3: so yeah. well and there's there's no perfection in in activism or in intersectional conversations like you're not going to get it right the first time you also might not get it right the second time but as long as we're trying trying to figure it out and learn I think I think it's really important to recognize that because I know as a feminist I struggle with that I'm like I need to be the perfect feminist and it's like that doesn't exist you're gonna fuck up a lot um, it's just all about overcoming it and working through it and constantly learning and constantly mm-hmm. admitting you're wrong. So, yeah, I think it's I think it, the more we talk about it, the better, the closer we get to understanding each other. Yeah.
1: Do you I feel like. Feel, oh, go ahead, Max. Yeah,
3: go ahead. I just
5: wanted to respond quickly to Kelsey. I feel like. Right now, I've, my realization was once I feel like I have like arrived or like I'm at a place that like, oh, yeah, I get it that's when I don't get it. And that's when I really fuck up. Like, right. Like I'm like, I, I get it. I, I'm, I'm anti-racist on this, on this. And I no, that now you're, because now you've gotten too comfortable and now mm-hmm. you're like leaning on your privilege. So it's almost like if you keep that beginner's mind of like, I'm learning and I will never stop learning. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's when I'm in a good, like humble place where I need to be. And that's true of like with anti-racism of like the LGBT ableism, like all of those pieces of like that intersectional conversation. It's like, you have to keep that mindset that you will never
0: arrive. You will never get it completely right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I love that mindset, like being in a place where admitting, okay, I was wrong. I was wrong. You know, Mm -hmm. like, that's okay for people to do just to do and say like, like so many people are so like, they don't want to admit they're wrong or they're very prideful or they're scared to admit that they're, they're wrong, but like, it's okay. This is how these conversations are going to happen, you know? And like, and you may offend somebody or you may, you know, like, but you are, if you come from a place of wanting to understand and wanting to learn, then you're, I mean, how other people respond to you. I mean, that, that's, that's up to them, right? You have no control over that. But if, if your intent is good, and if you're wrong, then just admit that you're wrong. You know, I'm yeah. sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know. You know, but now I know. And I appreciate you explaining that to me. You know, yes. if, um, that's kind of like the, where I like to be. <laughs> so were you going to say something?
1: Well, maybe? Yeah. When Max was talking about the, the sort of like perfectly teenaged response of like, I'll just choose to date girls then, which I like love the. I love the image of that. I was a smart mouth like that too. Um, but your point about like it not being a choice, you know, growing up, uh, I'm almost 39. Raina is 41. One. 41. Ah. So you grew up in the <laughs> 80s and 90s, like the first uh, like openly gay person that I think existed in our pop culture was Ellen. Like mm-hmm. so much of the narrative was around quote unquote lifestyle choice. I think it's why we needed like born this way as a song. And I just wonder, like, is that changing now for young people that are growing up now in this culture, or is it really region dependent? Cause like I have also spent, mo- I spent half my 20s all of my 30s now going into my 40s in Oregon and California so I don't feel like we are a good representation of the culture that like most young people are mm-hmm. exposed to and I'm just yeah. wondering like how are these narratives changing and are they changing
3: yeah I can I can um speak to some experience around that so I'm I'm 28 um and so I and, and I feel like there's so there is much better representation of queerness in media this is the silliest comparison <laughs> like ever but my favorite show when i was in like middle school and high school was gossip girl Mm-hmm. and I fucking loved that show it's trash but I loved no, it I fucking love it too good thank you yeah. Raina. I'm yes, so glad no. you get it and they did <laughs> a remake right they did that yes. there was one gay character there was one gay guy and they did yeah. a remake which I haven't watched but literally I feel like 80% of the new cast is queer and just that stark comparison to me is queer and it's a diverse cast and I was just like yo what the fuck like CW does that now like excuse I me I know so have I, you seen it though have no, I, seen, I haven't watched. You, oh, you said you haven't seen that. Oh. I haven't watched any of it, but so maybe not the best comparison. But of course, <laughs> I'm over here like thinking about Gossip Girl for some reason. Um, but I, I, I feel like there's been. I, I feel like queerness has been a lot more accessible for younger generations, and I do think that's true. I mean, I, I can only speak on behalf of my own experience, but I do know um, friends with children or um, or uh, friends with younger siblings who come out much younger and feel comfortable coming out much younger who have classmates who are out um i have a good friend with a um their kid is like 10 11 years old and they're out as non-binary because they feel comfortable doing that so i i i have a lot of hope for for future queer folks Mm -hmm. because it feels like there's more more than just ellen out there to tell to, to show you what queerness looks like
0: yeah. It's so much more accessible just as with a lot of things because of social media, you know, I mean, it's yeah. helped, um, with mental health, like mental health awareness is like, it's so much more accessible than it was, you know, for us as kids, for sure. I mean, I know, you know, my niece's friends, you know, she's 11 and they're, they're speaking about being non-binary, you know what I mean? So it's they're. I'm like, I would have never known what that, that even meant when I was 11 years old, you know? Yeah. Like, it's just, I think it's only can, can get better compared to how it used to be. But obviously there's still a lot of work to be done, but, um, but just, you know, for my 11 year old niece to like have friends that feel open to discuss that and know what that means. Like, I think that's, that's amazing. Real different than it was real. (laughs)
1: Let us let these old grannies just tell you.
3: (laughs) Oh, hush. (laughs) Oh, hush. Um. Yeah, I yeah, I I agree with the hope piece. I think that I think it's really neat. And I I not to sound like an old person, but I think the internet and social media has a lot of handle on that because I think the one of the most important pieces of of surviving with your queerness is community and finding people who support and love you and I I think our our access to people who don't live in our neighborhood or who you know live in other places or or are further away through the internet and social media m- makes it easier for people. In my uh, in my own experience, I think.
0: Absolutely. I mean, we're all connecting here, Emily. Yeah. So
4: <laughs> to add on to what Kelsey was saying about yeah community, I feel like I mean when I was coming out two years ago, a big thing that was really helpful for me was TikTok. I mean, TikTok mm-hmm. figured out that I was gay <laughs> way before I did. <laughs> I
0: mean, Your algorithm, you're not the, you're not the only one because <laughs> algorithm figured it
4: out. <laughs> yes. And so yeah, as I was going on that journey, I was relating a lot with all of these people that I was seeing on TikTok. And we know all of these kids are all over TikTok being fed very similar things mm-hmm. and being exposed to more community, which I think is really. I mean, it's a really encouraging thing to see. My fiance is a high school teacher, so he works a lot with teenagers. And, you know, we live in a pretty kind of red area. His school district is a pretty red school district. So he's had students come to him and come out to him and their parents get upset about it. And whereas that part is a little more negative and a little more trying to think of the right word. I don't know. It's not as hopeful, but these kids do have other ways to find that community and go outside of their family and their churches to see that it's okay to be who they
0: are. Yeah. The support is, you know, unfortunately, you know, the parents aren't able to to be supportive at that time. There is support around Um, so much more now. And, you know, and they came to your husband, the right person to talk to, you know, it's just, it's good that kids are starting to feel open enough to to come out earlier in life, you know, so they can start experiencing it without shame.
1: I'm glad you mentioned TikTok, Emily, um, because I was just thinking a few minutes ago about this this discourse that pops up on TikTok, it seems like it goes in cycles. It's been pretty active on my For You page the last couple of weeks. And then I think it was a couple months ago too, but the, and it's always this pretty reductive, like lesbians are biphobic, lesbians don't want to date bi girls, bi girls, uh, girls, women don't know how to approach lesbians. You know, like there's this weird sort of like niche infighting that happens in the community on TikTok, um, I'm not so sure that it's hundred percent representative of life outside the internet. But it, it is, it is part of again like the stigma and the myths that exist. And I wonder is that showing up on anyone else's FYP? Am I just toxic? Have, do you encounter this <laughs> out in the world? And what do you think of that sort of little fight that plays out in the community?
3: Yeah, you're not at all toxic. I think um I think that's I think that's uh, a representation of, of biphobia. And I think it also feeds into like gold star lesbians. Like uh, I don't know if you know like the tears of lesbians. Gold star lesbian is a, a lesbian who's never had sex with a man. Um so I think there's also a level of of that within uh, um the lesbian uh community. Um yeah, I, I think I don't I wish I knew what the cause was. I mean, I wish I knew why people were biphobic. I I I think it feeds back to some of those same pieces of like, well, you just have more options than I do. So fuck you. Or I don't know, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to be with a girl who doesn't know anything, you know, whatever that that kind of looks like. And I and I also think that's that sort of stuff um we internalize and we get scared about. Like when I when I was out, I'd only dated guys and I came out in my twenties. So I was like, I'm so scared to date women, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like I love the idea of pussy, but I don't know what the hell to do with it. Like, I just this kind of like, I feel like I'm starting over. Like I'm, I'm an adult, but I feel like I'm a teenager again. Cause I don't know how to kiss a girl without being an mm-hmm. idiot. Um, and I think some of those fears get, get wrapped in and, and projected. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I, I do see a lot of that and I agree it comes in cycles, but I think the one thing that is, um, more hopeful, I know we keep going back to that is I see a lot of pushback every so often of like, you gotta stop, you gotta stop that. But like mm-hmm. biphobia is not cute. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not fun, it's not quirky, it's you're you're not saying what you think you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the louder we fight back, the hopefully the less we'll see it. I mean, I think it's I think it's a fight we're strapped in for. Um, mm-hmm. but that's every queer person. I think, yeah you know. Max, you look like you have something you want to add. Tell me if I'm wrong.
5: I kind of do because it's actually a little bit more related to what like, I think Emily was talking about. And I think it does tie into my phobia. And like, so I feel like, you know, speaking to what like Megan and Raina were speaking about of like, there were no like visible, like LGBT people. And the problem is there was mm-hmm. right. Like there's been, we've been around forever. And I'm not talking about just non-binary and trans people or just bi people or just gay. Like, you know, like we could talk about, all people through history, like Oscar Wilde and um, Alan Turing and, you know, all these like, you know, all these people throughout history have been in the community, but they have mm-hmm. been systematically erased. Mm-hmm. And like, I want to use a really like example for, because you talked about like, like Ellen, like think about like Freddie Mercury, Freddie Mercury, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize, and I didn't realize until I, until social media, right, that Emily was referring to, he, Freddie Mercury was bi. Mm-hmm. He flat out said in an interview, I like to date women, but I prefer to have sex with men. That's a split attraction, like by, you know, like but you know, mm-hmm. like homosexual, mm-hmm. but like that in like, in those frame of mind, that would have been considered bisexual. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So like, but he's not considered a bi icon. Right. Mm. When you think of Freddie Mercury, you think, He's gay. Like that's, that's that, that's the social perception there. And I mean, I could talk about other people like Mm -hmm. in that frame of mind. And I think about myself, I look for trans and non-binary and gender non-conforming representation and people who did not have that language. Like, Mm. would would David Bowie or Prince maybe had identified as gender fluid? Maybe if that word had been out there, it's possible. I don't want to put that word on other people, you know, necessarily, but like as somebody who's trying to find that, like Mm -hmm. social media has opened like me up to like oh Emily Dickinson was a freaking lesbian like this person was like Walt Whitman was bi like there's a lot of people in history who got erased and their identity was stripped from them and social media has helped us reclaim our history because Mm -hmm. it has been taken from us. So it's like on one end yes that is a very huge piece of biphobia. Like it's you know like again that by erasure of like Mm -hmm they're either gay or they're straight depending on who they were with the most of their life. Right. Or who they were visibly with at whatever point of time, you mm-hmm. know, or whatever was convenient for them. Like there's um good historical proof. That Abraham Lincoln was bisexual. Like he shared a bed with a man. Like, mm-hmm. like again, you'll never hear that in your, you know, in our like history classes. Right. Because that changes our perceptions of some of these people, but mm-hmm. like, you know, it's important that like, that, that social media has given us this oral history,
2: you know, yeah. like there's
5: still people alive during stonewall, you know, that we need to keep some of that, those, you know, there were like trans men from like the 1920s. You can find pictures of them. Like, so I feel like, you know, just to speak of the the whole community, like that stuff has always been there and you're right. It hasn't been visible and mm-hmm. that is changing, but like, I think it's also just as important for us to look back at mm-hmm. our Forebears and be like, this is what that you know. They had a different world. Maybe they uh-huh. couldn't be out, or maybe they didn't have the language that they do now. You know, so for whatever reason, maybe a trans man had to like be like, I'm a bunch lesbian, or wh- whatever the case was. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying talking about anyone specifically there, but like, you know, that stuff wasn't there, and you know, we really, I think that social media has helped me connect in that way. Not just with like my own identity, but like I want to see more people like me. But oh, hey. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't have to look right now. I can look like throughout like hundreds of years, you know? And I think that helps me and that affirms me. And that makes, reminds me that this is not a new phase, right? There's a lot of people who are like, oh, why people do it either for attention or it's a phase or it says, no, we've always existed. Mm-hmm, right. Yeah. And we're not going to stop, it, you know? So I think that that is, you know, just to kind of speak to that. I think that is another way social media has helped us to reclaim mm-hmm. some of that.
0: Definitely, I could. Yeah, I mean, everything. What I heard was connection. You know, like there was no connecting. Everything back in the day, there was you didn't see anything. What you saw was on TV or in the news. Like you didn't have access to. Mm-hmm. So unless you were in the community, unless you knew somebody, you knew somebody, like where are you going to find this? The internet didn't exist. You know, so it's just kind of like. So now you have access, and if you, and if you want to learn, and you know learn about history. I mean, definitely I, it's been around <laughs> for a very long time, you know, um, it's not a new thing, people, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's just, we're just talking about it <laughs> a little bit more openly. And I think the more people talk about it, and I think that's why it's changed so much throughout history of, of the the terminology and because you're finding that this offends me, you know, so can we talk, can we change the terminology that fits for this person or, you know what I mean? Because as people talk, they're going to, they're going to find out more and more about it, each other or how they want, you know, how they present themselves and everything like that. And so I think everything is just like trying to, yeah. So it's not offensive, you know, like you're not have to fit in like one box, you know,
1: mm-hmm. but I, I love the, I love the, that point And also the idea of like bringing the full truth, uh, the full humanity of people back into the story mm-hmm. like parts of these historical figures or celebrities from the past or whoever that had to be hidden like can now just be known and it can be celebrated and mm-hmm. I think it's really like it's really beautiful to be able to consider someone as the full person they were mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. have access to that full story um They didn't get that in life, but like some of these, especially like some of the great artists that, um, you were mentioning Max, like we can appreciate them as the full person they were in the retelling of their story. That's really cool.
5: Just to follow up really quick. I chose my, you know, as a trans person, I chose Max and my middle name is Wilde, W-I-L-D-E to honor Oscar Wilde, who was imprisoned for his sexuality. And damn, I didn't know um, that. You know, and uh, I feel like, you know, he was one of the, one of the very early on, very open about
2: mm-hmm. writing
5: about his sexuality. And I think, again, that that ended up coming back to, to hurt him. But like, I feel like, again, I want to connect to my queer forebears. And mm-hmm. I think that was a way I could do that.
3: Mm-hmm. So. One, one thing uh, I want to add too, I mean, we talked, we're talking about how, I think it's important to note that all of these these things we don't know is because they were actively erased from us mm-hmm. like it, it was with violent intent to to withhold that information mm-hmm. um and so it is going to be a fight to uncover this and it's going to be a fight going forward so mm-hmm. I yeah I, I don't know I just wanted to like recognizing this and feeling empowered by our own past and history is 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 an act of radical it's, it's radical in itself just because you're un- unpacking so much that's been Built to stop you. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, they definitely try to hide it and erase it from from everything. So <laughs> well, maybe not that, anymore. Maybe that's a good place. Maybe
1: that's a good note to kind of wind down on. Like, where do you feel? What do you feel needs to come next? Like, we've moved so far, and yet there's still like so much to do in the queer community as a whole, and then to like continue to push back against bi-phobia and bi erasure. Like what do you what do you think's next? What's what's, what's getting you excited in your activism? What are you thinking about these days in that regard?
3: We we all have intense thinking faces on. I love that <laughs> question, and it's such a good question because it's true. We like we we want to look forward. I know we're talking about how important it is to look at our our foundation and, and history, but yeah what is what is next i i know we've talked a lot about hope i think i have a lot of joy and compassion and hope for um future queer queer folks i mean i just i feel so empowered by joy i mean when i was in when i was at pride earlier in june um it's just so it feels so wonderful to see so many young faces and families and old faces and just the breath of folks who come out to support and celebrate who they are. I mean, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And I, I have, I have a lot of anger obviously because I, I hold that and that's what fuels my activism. But I, I think looking forward, I just want to, I want to lead with so much compassion and love and gentleness and understanding. I mean, that's, that's the, the phase of my, um, my journey that I'm at, there's a lot of work, but I'm, I'm trying to do it in the most soft and supportive yet strong way. Mm-hmm. If, if those kind of, if that kind of just juxtaposition makes sense at all. Mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where I'm sitting.
4: Yeah. To kind of go off of what Kelsey was saying about yet going with the, with the future generations. I mean, I have two little nephews, one that's two almost three and another that's getting ready to be six and I plan to be totally open with them about my sexuality and try to teach them because I mean they're also they're growing up in a really small Missouri town where they're probably not going to meet a ton of LGBT people Mm -hmm. and so just to try and, and teach them and show them who I am and who other people are is really kind of what I am really looking forward to over the next few years as they get older and are able to understand those those parts of me.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I love that. Yeah. I was just thinking about my little niece who was just born like same, same thing. Um, uh, yeah. And she lives in a, town in Arizona, conservative place, like just hoping she gets to have access to all the things she deserves. Yeah. Yeah. Our,
3: our own visibility is empowering to others. Like I think, I think we, I often don't give that enough credit of, of just being your true self and showing people that you exist Mm -hmm. in itself can be empowering for others. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And comforting to, to somebody who wants to do the same and they Mm -hmm. feel okay to do that now. You know, I think that's huge.
2: To my voice, Max. What about you?
5: So, not to be a Debbie Downer, <laughs> <but> <laughs> so be one. Like, Do we it. Love we love it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn up on a on a high note at the end. Okay. I All right. I try to. But, you know, with with Roe versus Wade overturned, mm-hmm. and we're looking at Oberfell and we're looking at Lawrence v. Texas is potentially yeah. next both specifically targeting the LGBT community. So I feel like we really do need to have a very long-term vision
4: mm-hmm.
5: because they think that these things are just going to go without a fight and they're, they're not, right? And I feel like because we're facing these severe attacks, like Missouri, for example, was trying to ban HRT for um, adults up to 25 years old. So you can buy a gun, but you can't, uh, take a estrogen or testosterone, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. thanks Missouri. They didn't pass it, but like, it's coming right. That, yeah. like, we, we need to accept that that is a very real possibility. I think that this immediate danger I'm really hoping is going to really breed this new wave of immense like solidarity mm-hmm. and like, you know, like, you know, by people will hopefully, you know, and like trans people, b- people who you know, often are kind of sidelined in the LGBT community, Um, you know, we're going to be like, you know, we are in an immediate threat, you know, we Mm -hmm. all need to, like, again, live in that discomfort, like we talked about in the very beginning, but Mm -hmm. also just kind of be like, you know, this is what affects one of us is going to affect all of us. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this type of situation that we're in is going to make that so immediately apparent that I'm really hoping that some of the spy phobia is going to hopefully like be in our rear view and we can Mm -hmm. like move past it and we can really be like, Hey, we're all in, in, in danger. We're in threat, Mm -hmm. you know, like our existence and we're like, you're talking about visibility. I am going to keep on telling my story no matter what, like that is always going to be something I do. Like that's partially why I chose the name that I did, because I'm like, I'm not going to be erased. I refuse Mm -hmm. to be erased. That is Mm -hmm. not going to happen. That's not an option. So, and I think that that's what they want. They want people to be like, Oh, you're going to do X, Y, Z. Well, I'm going to go back in the closet and that's just not ever going to happen. And Mm there's a lot of people that feel the same way. And so I think that that is where where we need to be is not only is this visibility empowering the others, but it's, it's the guardrail. It's like, no, you don't get to push me back into the closet. I am here. I'm not going away. I will always be here. We were always here to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. You know, to go back to that historical perspective. So I think that, you know, it's good just, it, we're, we're hitting a really big, I think, watershed moment. And I think that that is going to be really exciting to see. It's going to be scary in some ways, but it's going to be also exciting because there is a lot of changes and those kind of come from younger generations. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Oh,
1: thank you for bringing us home on that point, you Yeah, know, is really like, speaks to the moment we're in now and yeah, it's kind of time to get past the stigma and the phobia and the community in fighting because there's much bigger fights to have mm-hmm. with people that don't want us to exist. So I just really appreciate you like bringing it
0: home to that, Max.
5: There's just way too much at stake.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's too much. Yeah, definitely. For, I mean, as far as the community has come to now, Taking things back or taking things away, like what the fuck? Like, yeah, seriously, so.
3: <laughs> yeah. literally, yeah. What, just, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> gets, I um, think that's
5: the closer, right? What yeah. the fuck? Well, <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> yeah. I also just, gosh, I appreciate having the three of you so much. I appreciate yes. you taking us on the arc of like. Don't ask me to be your unicorn. <laughs> like this is not just about threesomes and sex, all the way to the really important history and the political activism that's needed now in this moment. And um, we're so grateful to have you on. Where can our listeners find you? Where can they find cat call? How can they get involved with your work if they want to?
3: Yes. Love to hear it. Thank you for having us too. I just yeah. I know you said thank you for having us, but it's just amazing to be able to talk with you and hear your experience, Megan. And Rain, I to hear your insight also. I think it's really valuable. So thank you. Thank um you. yeah, you can find catcall at catcallmeg. That's M-A-G like magazine. I'm from Minnesota, so my vowels sound ridiculous. Um, I'm <laughs> sure. Um <laughs> you'll share <laughs> what the actual link is. We'll put uh, it in the show notes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> catcallmeg.com. Um and we're on a host like a a bunch of different social media platforms too gosh that makes me sound so old when i say it like that but find (laughs) us on facebook and instagram and twitter um and um we on their about us page you will find all three of our bios with links to to where where to find each of us also um that way you don't have to listen to us read them all out unless you want to max and emily i won't stop you
1: <laughs> um, do any of the three of you have any pro any projects connected to Catcall or otherwise that you want to plug or any place that you want us to send people to to see your work or is Catcall the best place to to send folks for them to access your work? Shamelessly plug away if you yes. have things you want to draw attention to
5: So um, I I do some side stuff and like i already talked about my middle name I actually named my little my solo writing. Projects Max M A X Wild W I L D E just like Oscar Wilde mm-hmm. stories. So that's where you can find me socially on all the things. Perfect. But I do try to talk about how being non-binary affects like my own like writing and my own perspectives and like how bisexuality, and neurodivergence. So I do try to bring all of that into what I do because I think that you can't separate people. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not a box to set mm-hmm. stuff aside. Mm-hmm. So
1: amazing, but yeah, we don't come in pieces. it just don't work that way. Emily, what about you? Where, where do you want to be found? Um, anything you want to direct people to?
4: Sure. So if you ever find yourselves in Kansas city and <laughs> want to know what to do, I'm the digital editor over at in Kansas city magazine. So oh, nice. you can find a lot of guides for food and just fun stuff to do at inkansascity.com.
1: Very nice. cool. <laughs> All right. And Raina, if our listeners want to share their reactions, their thoughts and their own experiences um, regarding this episode with us, where can they find us on
0: They Instagram? can find us on Instagram, Instagram. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about it. Pod. That's sh- with three H's
1: and you can always email us yeah. as well at info at do Yeah. And again, cat call crew. Thank you so much. Y'all are amazing. We are huge fans and thank you so much for your insight,
0: your time, your everything. Um, any fans, anybody, any listeners, if you want to reach out. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.